All right, ladies and gentlemen, and automotive enthusiasts from all around planet Earth, it is that time once again for yet another... Another See the USA in Your Chevrolet episode <laughs> oh, of V8 nice. Radio, Kevin. <laughs> How about that? Uh, I'm your host, as always, Kevin Osti, joined by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball-Clark. And tonight we also have a very special guest, our friend Paul Vishubar, who is, uh, you may have heard us refer to him before, he's got the yellow 1962 Buick that is currently getting a little bit of work done in the V8 Speed and Resto Shop. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. There's Paul. And uh, Paul and I grew up together, so we've known each other far too long, and uh, it's it's really an honor to uh, have Paul's car in our shop. We've so told a few stories about this thing, and it's getting closer. And this particular episode is a fun event because uh, Mike and Paul came to the V8 Speed and Resto shop to do some work on the car, uh, which we'll get into momentarily. Kevin pays slave wages. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> no. Slaves got paid higher than you guys. <laughs> Let's be real here. We got one can of stag beer. Yeah. <laughs> we got stag beer. Hey, you know, you didn't complain at the time. No, <laughs> it was the best. And I'm not complaining now. Yeah. I'm just saying. It was very good beer. So if you've heard VA Radio before, you know that uh, we start off every episode with an automotive trivia question, which is uh, kind of an act of subterfuge to get people hooked into listening to the whole show. And, uh, Mike, have you, you prepared a trivia question? I have prepared a trivia question right here in my show notes, Kevin. Yeah, he brings his show notes. I was impressed. Well, you got to be prepared for these kinds of things. Well, my question is, what are show notes? <laughs> well, it, it gives me topics to, of discussion and uh, things to be prepared for. Right on. You're like a, you're like a podcast Boy Scout. It's a professional organization here, Kevin. Be prepared. Exactly. Okay. Yes, I do have a trivia question, and uh, we'll get right into it. Um, kind of tying in with today's overselling adjective, you know, recently Chevrolet has uh, debuted the 2020 mid-engine Corvette that everyone is uh, all crazy about, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, but Kevin, what was the Corvette named after? Where oh. did they come up with the Corvette name? Oh, man, you're gonna do a you're gonna do an automotive name question. That's right. I think you've done one or two to me. In you the think past. I have? I'll, I'll note that. Well, I'll tell you what. To make it fair to our guest, let's have let's have Paul throw his two cents in the ring about what the Corvette is named after. Paul, please chime mine. in. Hmm. What is the Corvette named after? It's namesake, so to speak. Yes. Right. Well, I'm going to go with my first. They always say go with your first thought. And the first thought, they're few and far between. <laughs> the first thought that pops into my mind is a ship, I believe. The Corvette is a type of ship. Corvette is a type of ship. A sailing ship, if not, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Sail, don't ships sail. Not an airship, but a sailing <laughs> ship. <laughs> not an airship. Not okay. A, no. Not a dirigible. Not, not a, a dirigible. ship. Okay. Just, just a ship. I believe is a, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Paul says a, a type of ship. Like a sailing ship. Right. Not, a sailing not, ship. not like a sailing, an actual, honest to goodness. Okay. Okie dokie. I believe. All right. That's my, that's my gut feeling. It's important to believe. It is. Uh, all right. Well, I believe that uh, Paul's halfway there. Okay. Uh, a Corvette is a type of ship. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a military ship. It is a small and light maneuverable military mm. ship. That oh, okay. oftentimes led other ships into battle. 
Mm. And uh, that's why they used the Corvette name, because the Corvette car was small, lightweight, maneuverable. And uh, that's how that came about, is my guess. All right. So Paul says a sailing ship. Kevin says a small and light maneuverable. Navy ship. Navy ship. Wartime stuff here. All right. Duly noted, sir. All right. Well, we will see. All right. Well, because, uh, you know, these ridiculous why is a car named question. That's a great question. Yeah, you kidding me? It's very, yeah. it's it's perfect for, for what's happening now. Oh, it's perfect for what's happening now. Well, all right. <laughs> I'll try one. Why did Buick name the Electra Electra? <laughs> oh. What a stupid oh. question! What a stupid, horrifying question! You're killing me. Automotive age? Well, you know what? I'm going to throw that one over to Paul. Paul, what Paul, are your thoughts on this? Paul's the owner of the, the 62 bleed, Buick Electra we, go first. we worked on today, so uh, I figured why not? You know? Why not? All right. I think I do have, if you'll let me ask a trivia question, I think I have one for you two guys. Okay, you well, yeah, absolutely. You, you can to bring that. answer the Electra, why not name it? <laughs> why not name it? That was going to be my was, answer. Because it was electrifying. Ooh. Because it was electrifying. Uh, it's Very GM. Nice. They make up names and they take a real word and they take two syllables. Two, two, I have, I have, they do that now for sure. Yeah, Electra. Hmm. All right. Well, that I really, no I really help. have no that idea. That was no help whatsoever, Paul. Nothing. I'm afraid. The All saber, right. Electra. Yeah, I got, I got nothing. I never, ever, ever thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what Killing happens. Me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, Paul says it's electrifying. It's electrifying. It's electrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, what's your, uh, your oh, guess? Oh my on, uh, Did you write that down by the way in your show notes that Paul said electrifying? I, I did say that. Right. Yes. Good, good. Well, I did say why Electra? Question mark. Um, Electrifying. I, I don't have show notes here tonight, so that's all right. That's all right. All right. I have enough for both hit, of hit us. Hit me with it. Why did Buick name the Electra the Electra? Yes, sir. Um, well, Kevin, here's here's the real reason why. Oh, um, the real reason. Mm-hmm. They had a, a marketing meeting. Mm. GM did, and somebody says we need a name. For this new car, this big car, and someone says, "Let's call it Electra." I, and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> that's, uh, that's very enlightening. <laughs> yeah. um, why Electra? Um, well, it's not because it was the first car to use a um, DC or a, a, an alternator. I'll yeah, tell you well, that. that I know that. <laughs> Because I got that one right. Um, that was electrifying. Though. That was that was electrifying. Um, oh my, my gosh, man! Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting is that by adding another person to this show, the trivia question concept became thirty three percent longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't I, even gotten to his question. Quickly. And for that, we apologize, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We apologize, listener. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Yardley, too. Yes. Yardley and Trevor. And we Trevor. know of three real listeners. <laughs> I listen to. Oh, Paul. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're here now, so yeah, you don't, I don't count. count. I don't count as a listener. Um, why Electra? Um, Go with your gut, man. First response. That's a Paul There's a lot of gut there. Um, <laughs> let's see. 
Think maybe history. Think maybe marketing. Yeah. What, think, well, what was the first year of the Electra? Well, that's a different trivia question. That's next week. Right. Oh, thank you. Uh, 1959, I believe. 59 Electra. Okay. Produced up until 1991, I think. 1990. Okay. And Buicks. Top of the line, oh, that man. Electra. That's that's the, the flagship. That's the Corvette of the Buick. The Corvette of the Buicks. It's the Cadillac of the Buicks. <laughs> in nomenclature. It's the Lincoln of the Buicks. Um, it's the Buick of Buicks. Mm-hmm. This this is really, oh my gosh, man. Paul's uh, 62 Electra, if we we did note this on previous episodes, was a Carcraft magazine project for it was. Two, two issues. Yep. Yeah. Is that I, enough time I wish, for you? I wish you would have asked me why it's a 225. I could have answered that. Uh, that's a, uh, it's too easy. That's too irrelevant. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Electra just just because it's called Electra. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, you can write that down, and then I will say it's duly noted. Thank you. You're welcome. Just because. All right. Good Lord. All Our right. esteemed guest, Mr. Paul Vishubar, you have a trivia question. All right, so let me back it up to a few podcasts ago oh, when you guys oh. both had your top five cars I wouldn't Sell if you gave it to oh, me. Oh no, this is going to be Fiero related. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Paul was a Fiero owner. First of all, when he said I had a Fiero, you were surprised. And what? not only did I have a Fiero, I had two, two Fieros. And this guy does not remember he drove the Fiero, said Fiero. Mm-hmm. Which one? Did I, drive? I didn't drive the six cylinder. You drove the four cylinder. The four cylinder. Over yeah, the I train did. tracks, a block away from my house from River Grove, went over the train tracks, and a ball joint blew out. Oh. Remember that? Wow, you, now I you, do. And yes. you called me because the wheel was in the Yes. In the- <laughs> <laughs> Hence the trivia question What cars on the 84 to 87 Fiero were the suspension stolen from? The Chevette. They were stolen from the Chevette. Chevette. That's his first guess. His you guys, first guess. We don't know if that's right or not. So that's don't. my first guess. They were stolen from the Chevette and the 84 through 80 what? Seven. Seven. Um, what was the last year of the Fiero? 88. Oh, dang it. Um, mm-hmm. That was the Lotus suspension. Um, that's not made by a Lotus, by the way. Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's Corvette. <laughs> um, they were stolen from a Chevy. Chevy, <laughs> Chevy Chevette, and uh, Chevy Citation. That's my guess. That's your guess. All right. Write that down. Duly noted. Duly noted. All right. Uh, interesting. All right. So I will say this is a little bit of a trick question. Are we talking what platforms or what cars were they? Cars, for? platforms. So those are two different things. Well, because uh, uh, to echo Mike, I, I'm pretty sure there were Chevette parts, which would also be the Pontiac J2000. And if it's J2000, that's the same platform, but two different cars. Quite no. honestly, to get oh. that deep, it was I was I was thinking of an equivalent car as far as GM. Goes. All right, so then okay, yeah. so then uh, I, I will also say Chevette and J two thousand, and then also um, I'm pretty sure like the Buick Century Chevrolet Celebrity platform might have had something to do with that, which I don't remember what that was the N body because the, the Chevette was a J body. That was a J body. Maybe the N, I don't know. The, the Fiero was the Peabody. Mr. Peabody. Um, I don't know what that was. What that's, it's, 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 a, the, it's the forgotten name. <laughs> so nobody remembers the nomenclature. Yeah, yeah. 
That's my guess. Anyway, the celebrity. Okay. All right, Kevin says Buick Century and slash. Um, yeah, but now Chevy I'm thinking celebrity. about that, and I don't like it and, as an uh, answer. Yeah, because well, I, you did I don't like my Chevette as well. Well, the Chevette, I, I like that answer. Yeah, I like that answer. I don't too. like the end body because those uh, were all front drive, and the Fiero was not. So, do I dare say it was another rear drive uh, platform from Chevy, you know GM? Of a small size, which would be what everything went front drive during that time period. Um, Buick Riata? No, that was later. That was later, and okay. that was you wouldn't forget it. It's it, that's what it is. I'm stick with my answer. Okay, darn it, that's it. That's it. Okay, don't overthink it. I'm just trying to spare our listener the agony. Oh, that's too late. <laughs> the agony is there. I already gave it to him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I apologize. All right, so as we, uh, and we'll have the answers to this uh, in just a few short minutes because it took so long to go through these. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so there is a, a lot going on in the world, and, and uh, Paul and Mike, so maybe, I don't know if this is known or not, but sure, a lot of our listeners know that uh, uh, when we record the V8 radio podcast, Mike is a solid 300 miles away from myself. And uh, Paul is uh, 315 miles away, so this is normally a distance thing. But you guys came down to the shop to do some work on Paul's car for the weekend. Correct. Which, uh, which I thought was fun. It, it was liberating. It was a great time. <laughs> liberating. It, it really was. I mean, I, I don't get to do this kind of work. I don't get to do work on my GTO very often. And I'm always hounding Paul to help him with his Buick. He never takes me up on it. <laughs> and I mean, you didn't get to help me put on the trailer. I, I finally get to help him. Yeah, he it was. He needed help getting putting his his car on the trailer. Does he call me? No, I live ten miles away from the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> no call. <laughs> what can I say? I'm really, I'm really sorry. I didn't know that you wanted to push your car on the trailer so badly. But next time, I want to help my bros. I appreciate it. No, no. I honestly, I do appreciate it because it mm-hmm. was a lot of fun, and I felt. Honestly, for a some time felt bad because of the amount of work we did today, but you get, it was a lot of fun. So it, it was, was great you know, fun. Are you kidding it me? Was good. Well, in the past, yeah. a couple I don't know, it was over a year ago now. Both you guys came down and we did a, little, a welding school. Yeah, that's right. That's that was, right. Yeah, uh, on a V8 radio podcast, and this time we actually made some stuff. So, as we were doing some work on Paul's Buick, and and mind you, this is not a complete restoration project. This is let's get this thing back on the road so you can you know drive it around and enjoy it. And we had noted that the uh, uh, there was a, a little rust hole. It's a clean car, and it's not very rusty, but there was a little hole in the floor. And I thought, hey, maybe we can have you guys come down and, and do some floor repair work on this thing. Um, and that way our shop's not doing it, and you can learn that experience of making a patch panel and whatnot. But then as we got more closer to the visit, it dawned on me that I think that floor repair is going to turn into a far bigger job than scratching the surface. So I thought, well, what would be fun? The car is going to get converted from factory air conditioning to a vintage air system, which meant that the factory air box hole on the firewall and the factory heater hole would need to be blocked off. So let's fabricate some block off panels. And I think the process was pretty cool. You guys got a chance to go through the design, the concept, the design phase, mm-hmm. and then actually make the pieces. So, Yeah, we sure did. With the help of uh, with Jonathan and Tim yep. from the shop, they really gave us their experience and helped us shape those those block-off plates to really look right inside that on that firewall. 
and they, they did a great job and, and really helped us along. They, they were critical. They, they, they gave us that, that key moment we needed to really move this, this forward. Well, the, the, the big piece, the big piece of advice, right? We had the cardboard templates initially. Yep. Make it in the cardboard. Yep. Because I think you and I both probably be like, well, it's close. We'll start cutting some metal. <laughs> Let's just yeah. cut some metal. We'll fix it in the mix, right? Yeah. But really, really getting it right with the cardboard really was important because oh, we yeah. came across so many things that we probably didn't realize didn't were there. at all. Yep. And once we finally got it correct in the cardboard, because then... The, the, making the templates out of the cardboard took the entire. It took a long time, evening, right? Yeah, <laughs> and that was easy to work with. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to do that with the metal. And we started over on the cardboard template. At least one of them. I think we did three of them for the one hole. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was well. I think that's and that's why I brought it up. I mean, that, that's an important thing. If you a lot of people approach your stuff and they're like, oh, sure, make a piece of cardboard and cut it out, cut some holes in it, and you know, you're done. And then they make that out of steel. They transfer the cardboard to steel, and then the steel doesn't fit because they didn't make the cardboard accurate enough. And, and when I say accurate enough, I want the holes punched. I want yeah. you to physically bolt that piece of cardboard to the car because if it's got a little wrinkle in it, um, and, and use all the bolt holes. Don't mm -hmm. put one in one corner, one another, and say, oh, it's good enough. Uh, because the it might distort. Shift. And, and the fun thing was on the, the top particular piece. These guys designed it and, and Tim and Jonathan had some design pointers, but, but you guys did the vast majority of the work. And then when it came to translating the cardboard to the steel, uh, we used a technique of, of spraying out some, uh, you basically put the cardboard on the piece of steel and using an aerosol uh, machinist layout die, which created a shadow image basically. So that's a very fast way to transfer the design over. And the holes were punched using a, a hole punch in the cardboard so that the bolt holes were there. And my concern was that I'm thinking there is going to be a little distortion in the cardboard and chances are this thing might not fit that great. So let's just see. And we punched holes in the steel for the bolts. And my thought was that let's punch small holes. And if we need to, we can enlarge them or use the term that Kelly uses, waller them out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My new word. Yeah, wallering. Yeah, great word. And uh, and we'd have that option. So if you make them too big and they're in the wrong spot, then you got to weld them up and start over. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see the steel translation panel be put against the firewall and the bolt holes were like perfect. I was surprised too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't surprised, fellas. Let me tell you what, because we're industry guys and you know what we're doing. Well, and so to, to give some context, there, there ended up being three pieces and, and one, because that Buick had all kinds of holes in the firewall. One piece was covering two kind of wide, narrow holes at the top of the firewall. One right below it uh, was installed from the Passed, yeah, from the cabin side yeah. going out, and that um, the firewall had a flanged hole for the heater core, and then inside the fender against the uh, the firewall was a very large opening where the AC box used to go, and that one is going to be the kind of the least critical because it's not right in your face. The hood hinge kind of obscures it, but you guys approached all of them with the same level of, of precision and, and importance and um, came up with some really neat design ideas. Well, thank you, Kev. Well, the, the biggest motivator for me was that this is gonna be, this, is, this wasn't just playing around with metal. This was, this was actually gonna go on Paul's car. 
So it was important for me that they everything be right and is into his standards, into his liking. Because when you open the hood, that's, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see these block-off plates, and you want them to look right. You want them to look good. So... Well, yeah, I wanted to make sure we did an extra good job. Well, I appreciate that. I I mean, and I also think having Tim and Jonathan there initially when we were doing the layouts for the cardboard helped because they were giving us some context. I'm not going to lie because I was feeling pressure because I know those guys are professionals and they have much higher expectations than maybe if I was home in my garage and I needed to make... I needed to make a block off point. It'd be a, it'd be, it'd be rectangular right. with a hole. It'd be crude. It. It'd be crude, yeah. exactly. But with that, giving a suggestion, saying, yeah. "Okay, take a step back. You, you also take a step back. Look at the other parts of the firewall, and look and see what, what, what can you pick off of that? Is, is there radiuses? Are there, are there, are there grooves? Are the lines? Right. Make it, make it look like, like GM put it in there. Exactly. And along with your lines." There are some really big holes because the air conditioning <laughs> is really big. I mean, they, I'm assuming they're they're expecting some leakage because the yeah the the air conditioner it could have probably done a 53 foot trailer. It was like reefer size. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. you know? it, was, it was a house unit yeah. stuffed yeah. under the hood. I mean, yeah. that thing the box was had got to be what six inches wide. At least, at least, maybe maybe ten inches tall, and yeah, then a, and a foot, that, yeah. maybe 13, yeah. 13, 13 inches deep. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Right? and it was all big, evaporating. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. if you have experience with those cars, um, any of the uh, definitely the GM. It's, interestingly, I think the four a lot of Ford air conditioning systems were under dash units uh, all the way to the mid '60s, where GMs were far more integrated into the car. And remember, GM owned Frigidaire at that point. So GM had right. a whole division that made refrigerators and freezers, right? Yeah. So they were yeah. way ahead of the curve on technology sure. on this stuff. And they were R12 refrigerant. And these things would freeze you out. You know, GM 60s and 70s air conditioning systems were awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that A6 radial compressor, you know, was enough to power a house, you know, like you're saying. But they were just big, giant units. And in this case... The reason why we did some of this is you're going to have air conditioning in the car, but to restore that old system Mm. takes far more research, time, money, parts, complexity. And when you have a company like Vintage Air that makes a modern, uh, uh, their Gen 4 universal system is the one that's going to go in the car. So the Gen 4 means all of the, uh, the blend doors and the temperature controls are servo controlled. So they got little motors that move the doors. So no more cables. So they're, it's a more complex concept, but it's a simpler application. And that mounts in the cabin side behind the firewall and not under the, under the hood in right. the engine bay. So you no longer need all this old stuff. Um, and especially because your old fiberglass box was broken. And Well, and to be yeah. honest with you, there's a part of me that liked seeing the box and all that because it's a factory air car. Uh, but yeah, if you're talking about it, how much effort and work it's going to be, and then being in the shop and you've got it in a number of different cars you had in that Camaro, you, you can't even see it. It's it's amazing how right. how how clean it is, how small. Yeah. It's hard to believe you can get heat and air, heat and air conditioning, right. in that small of a package, and it works. So I was I was sold there. You know. Right. Yeah. And and uh, the vintage air system. Yes, it also incorporates heat. And then that servo motor gives infinite variable blend doors. So from the defrost 
down to your toes. Mm. You know, you can put it any position, right? As, as opposed to the old one, which was high, low. And there was another one that GM had, a, a word, uh, I forgot what it was. It was like, I think it was the high, low. It was like H-I-L-O. And it was like, where is that coming out? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, both. there are some them. people that... Um, the only complaint we ever get about vintage air systems is that they hear the fan mm. because it's in the cabin. The original fan mounted to the outside of the firewall and a big squirrel cage right. fan. So the noise of the fan was a little bit outside, but that's a very small uh, complaint in my mind because the when, the, when the stuff's blowing on you, it's like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Well, and it's a convertible. I don't think there's going to be, uh, um, you know, dead quiet. I'm sure there's going to be right. plenty of road noise, exactly. especially with a hole in the floor we didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that that should provide no. a little negative pressure. So yeah. Yeah. Better. Yeah, that's I, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be Mercedes, you know, five, uh, 500 yeah. SEL quiet. So I, you know, but I, I can hear, I can understand if it's a, like you said, it's a higher speed, higher wine. So it kind of cuts through, but at the end of the day, it's a much simpler solution. And it's modern equipment, serviceable. 134A? Correct. Modern refrigerant. Yeah. But mm. the cool thing is you can use your original dash controller yeah. because there are these zero to five volt linear rheostats that mount on the back of that controller. And I was telling Paul before, the way that works is um, there's going to be a push button in the car to calibrate those controllers so that as it goes from zero, you put it, you turn it off basically and hit the button and that's the low voltage setting and then slide it the other way and hit the button. That's a high voltage setting. And then it just calibrates the doors. If it's going to mm. be the cold hot door or the low high for the floor to vent or defrost. And because they have the heater function built in, it does a true defrost where it'll put warm air, but run the AC compressor and dry oh, the glass. Dry the air out. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah. nice. Very oh, nice. There's, there's a ton of technology and, and thought in that system. Um, but when you put one in, sometimes you leave big holes, and that's yeah. how this project started. Yeah, well, it's yeah. amazing the amount of real estate that that go that you're given with this vintage air unit. You know that 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 AC box and the heater box and the, and the fan all gone. It really opens up that engine bay. I mean, not that you're going to do anything with it, but it really cleans it up quite a bit. Sure. It doesn't look so cluttery. It definitely declutters it. Well, it eliminates another concern because my other concern was, does the original heater core leak? And if it doesn't, where do I find one? Right. Well, heater cores really aren't that bad, but it's like the expansion valve and the... No, I'm just saying, it's just just anything that needs to be serviceable for the original stuff. Even if you've got it working and it quits, like, oh God, the evaporator leaks. Where do you find an evaporator? Where do you, right? So it would have been, it would have been a nightmare to try and, it would have been great. It would have been neat, but... Well, in your box, and the compressor never broken. would have worked because I've got the serpentine set up. So you'd have to try and make it a, 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 oh, a modern get a right pulley for that, yeah, that old timey so, can, uh, compressor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you've got a short. Yeah. I would have spent my entire budget on the air conditioning. <laughs> right, right. But the neat thing is, it is a factory air car, so you've got dash vents already. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like there's a thing hanging below the dash. Right, right. With right. vents. Yeah, and and those who know me know that I really like those under dash units. Um, like the, there's one called the Mark IV that Vintage Air actually reproduces today. And the nice thing about those is that the evaporator is in the same box as the fan and the vents. So it's not like you're pushing cold air through a long tube and then out a vent at the other side of the car. And a lot of people look at that and they're like, well, I'm sitting in the passenger seat and I want this vent blowing on me from the outside of the car. If you ever experience one of those Mark IV underdash 
AC units, it is blowing a freezer on you. There's no shorter path between the cold right. and So those are nice, but yeah. they look like there's a thing hanging there. Right. And like like case, the old uh, Mustangs, like a, like a first-gen Mustang had those hanging under the yeah, dash. Yeah, Ford, Ford called yeah. it the Select Air. Right. And then the, exactly. and the Polar Air was the other one. The Select Air was like, the Polar Air was just like on cold, you know, and then the Selector had a temperature oh, you could range. Yeah. And my 62 Galaxy, that, that would have been the option. It And that, it's interesting to look back. So your 62 Buick and my 62 Ford, the Buick, I think, was seven or eight years ahead, you know, in that, in that respect. In the air conditioning standpoint? Yeah, and, and, and some of the technology, yeah. because the Ford, you did not have an integrated dash AC. It was mm-hmm. under, it hung. It was yeah. it. That's what you got from the factory, you know, right. so... GM did a lot of work, and I think it's because they had that division of Frigidaire, and they they integrated all that stuff, and hmm. uh, you know they were the technology leader at the time. So now the vintage air unit will use your factory ducts and just have a unit tucked up underneath. Uh, but the the whole point of the deal was that making these pieces was a skill set that you guys don't use every day. So. You, you had the welding school mm. before, and now let's let's actually make some stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, a good point to bring up, too, is yeah. because obviously we, you know, made the templates, and we got a lot of insight from the guys. We got a lot of insight from Kevin on, okay, thinking about the not just covering up the hole, but the aesthetics, right, mm-hmm. where there were a couple of hole, bolt holes that were pretty close to the edge, so we radiused around it to make right. it look pretty factory, so you had the appropriate amount mm-hmm. of meat there, and it did look, didn't just look... Looked like there's some, it looked right. Some, it looked right because yeah. it wasn't just straight across. Sure. Like you put a ruler up, made a rectangle, and then the other interesting thing, right, was that he mentioned having some some uh, um, putting in the bead roller, right, to to create some dimension to it, right, some third dimension, and uh, that was that was a lot. That was that was key. Really, really <laughs> yeah. made it made it really look. It put it over the over the top. Right. right? It, it it stopped being some guy in his garage just having to put a functional plate there yeah. to actually being aesthetically pleasing right. and looking like it belongs there. Mm-hmm. That's that's the difference. Exactly. Well, he, and of course, Kevin stepped up and ran the B-roller for the Kevin for the did step up and we ran the B-roller for us. We did not have the We're too scared to do it. I mean, this is a one-time shot, man. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, well, and of course, having the, having the, the I mean, being at V8, having the the, the tools at, right. your, at your disposal. At your disposal. It's a huge it's, deal. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it, it makes it doable you know mm-hmm. and, and like we were talking about before and again this was another va radio topic a long time ago about if you're going to do a project i like to start saturday's project on the previous monday to make sure that if you're going to need sandpaper you got it and if you're going to need grinding wheels or the parts or whatever because you'll burn your entire day chasing that junk right. down and then you didn't get anything done yeah all yeah. we got to do is drive to red bud yeah just come to the shop <laughs> Come on over. Well, I think that's like probably the last point, right? So we got here Friday mm-hmm. at uh, 1, had some food. Yeah, like 1.30, yeah. We started the shop, was kind of winding down at around 3.30. Yep. Worked till what? Six? Five, yeah, six? six? Yeah. Then came at, you know, in the morning, probably put another eight hours in the morning, easily. the two of us, easily. Yeah. Maybe more, probably closer to nine. Yeah. So... That's eighteen plus the original, you know, plus the original three or four. Yes, yeah, times two. So, yeah. what is that? You know, almost forty hours in of this fab for these three block off plates. It really <laughs> appreciate. It really puts the appreciation of how much effort goes into it. Because right. you know, Kevin would come by. He was doing some other stuff. It was the two of us, really. Mm-hmm. Like, and obviously, you helped us when we got to the the metal part, doing right. the 
with a pull max and the, and the bead roller. But um, we were scratching our heads. We were taking our time. We were not working at, you know, top speed. But right. at the same time, it really gives you an appreciation of the amount of time it takes to do it right. It really, really. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of I think a lot of people don't yeah. appreciate right. that. And, yeah. and we certainly can now. I can appreciate it now. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate it to some extent because sure. I know how much time it takes, which is why the car's here. Because I know <laughs> after having conversations earlier, past years, Kevin's like, you're... You're never going to get it done. And have, wanting to have it rolling and driving is why. Well, no, I never I'm said not, you're, you're never going to have no, it No, I mean, done, I'm exaggerating. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. But, you know, it's just yeah. the amount of hours it's going to take. I don't have those kinds of hours with family and work. Right. Let me let me give it to the experts, get it done. And then, and mm-hmm. then some of these smaller tasks I can then do myself. Right. But really, the amount of hours it takes to do it right, people just need to, you have to appreciate oh, how much. By doing it this way, wow. And doing it right, not just a square plate, right. cutting it off, exactly. and putting it on. Not just right? ham and egg it together, ham but do it right exactly. and have it look good and look professional. Yeah. And people look at yeah. your car like, oh, that's a nice car. Well, I think you and I both want it nice enough mm-hmm. that you want to say we made this block off plate, <laughs> right? You don't want it to be. And we made this block off plate and they actually used it. Right. It's amazing. And you know what, John? And people go, hey, that's, that's cool. Video. That's a great block off plate, But you want to be like, guy. yeah, well, what nice. do you want? I had a part in this. I did that. Oh, you, yeah, I can clearly tell you made that and the <laughs> eight did the rest. <laughs> that's what I think both, that's what was kind of in the back of my mind is I didn't want it to appear that you and I, the non, the, the plebes did this. <laughs> 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 or or worse, you know, you guys make something and then next time you see it, it's totally yeah, different. Completely right. Yeah. You were worried that Jonathan was going to remake the thing and, and put it back in the car. It was a nice start, guys. But yeah, yeah. We did good it effort. Great yeah. A no, for I, effort, fellas. I think you guys did a great job. And, and the fun thing about this stuff is I, I still maintain that with a couple of tools and some persistence, anybody can do this. But it does require some direction and a little bit of guidance because it's not something people do every day. And you can get something that's nice on your own. Now to do something that's going to be like way over the top, it's going to take you years of doing these projects over and over again and being second nature to the, the Mittler bead roller and Uh knowing how to, you know, TIG weld perfectly and, and, use a whole bunch of tools and get specialty tools and have a design sense to make something that looks really cool. Uh-huh. And there you're talking about like, well, like the stuff the rest of our shop makes, Jay and the fab shop mm-hmm. and, and our guys are really good at it, far better than I am. I mean, I'm, I've kind of, I was never the world's greatest fabricator by any stretch. We just, Kelly was able to put a team together that really does this stuff well. Mm-hmm. And then there's people far beyond us, you know, Rad Rides by Troy, they, it's funny when they'll make, and now you guys have been through this, open the hood on some of their cars and you will see a relief in a piece of steel that goes around a curve. So it's not oh. just a bead roller putting a pattern in a flat piece of steel. It's, it's, a, it's a raised relief that follows a three-dimensional curve line. And, and it's funny because as soon as you try this, then you go... Oh my gosh! Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's for real. And I, and some of this stuff I know is is done like like in spite of everybody else. It's like, pardon the expression, but this is like this piece is like, screw you. Look, <laughs> right. I did. I only did this because you know because <laughs> they can because they can. Yeah. And 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 so the layperson opens the hood and goes, oh wow, hey cool, yeah, look at that. 
and the people that have tried it, they're like, oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah. God. Yeah. Holy God. Hats off to you because right. that's serious. Yeah. Well, and let's be honest. We all get into the hobby because we enjoy doing these things with our hands. Mm-hmm. And we obviously enjoy cars. And like you've talked about before, you have an experience, whatever that experience is, you, you know, get in a fast car and getting moving around and having that visceral. But there's that visceral feeling of also, hey, I I made it fast. I built the exactly. motor. Right. I put the rear in it, and I tuned mm-hmm. up the trans, and it shifts hard. Yeah. But, you know, there's the mechanical side of it, but there's that aesthetic side. And, you know, you get into the little bits of putting the things together, and then you, all right, I'm going to finally do a car. And I think that's where you, I don't know if it's, you know, the industry or whatever, but it sells it a little short because, you know, you read the three-page magazine where the guy did the entire Camaro, or you... Hmm. and you just, but on one hand, it's a great thing because it gets you into like I'm going to do this. I'm oh. going to bite off this giant project because I can do it. Oh, yeah. And then you get into it, and you really realize the amount of work. And and some and there are many many people who pull it off. Now I, I wish sure. I had the time and, and to to pull it off, and uh-huh. I, I don't. But that's really what makes you appreciate the craftsmanship of those kinds of people. Because when you do some of it yourself, and you see how hard it really is to put it together. Just on, on the on the most minimal level, so that it isn't offensive. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't offensive. And then you somebody that it's, that it's art. Head. You know, yeah. then you really yeah. can. You really have a now you have a yardstick of how the measure. You know, this to that. I guess is not a really way great way of, really great way of putting it. But you can appreciate that three dimensional piece that sure. they cut out. Yeah. How much effort yeah. and what oh for sure how much work it takes to to to, to be able to that level. Right. Yeah, and it's a, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of experience, but then the other thing is the persistence of maintaining that level all the way through. Mm. Of course, yeah. True. Right? Because you could get halfway through and go, yeah, you, you know. Throw the rest of it together. <laughs> yeah. The front end of your car looks great, the back half looks like it was in a, in a fire. Yeah, and that's where we are very fortunate at our shop at V8 Speed Resto, because we have a team that understands that their quality level and dedication is at the top, of their ability the entire way through the project. Right. Uh-huh. So at the end result, and, and, and the three of us had chatted about a concept. Um, so you guys are buddies and, and also a customer and that's why you came down. And But I really think it might be fun to allow uh, the opportunity for some of our other customers to come on a weekend, hang out and make a part for their own car that they're hiring us to, to build so that they can A, be part of it and they can point to a piece and say i made that you know yeah and maybe learn a skill or whatever and 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 maybe it's they work with jeff our painter and they spray something or maybe it's they work with trevor and build something mm-hmm. or work oh. with the fabricator jay or brett or and do something uh, or work with me and get lost in boring stories about nasa <laughs> 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 but they like what you guys walked away with is the appreciation of time you know sure. and we have a lot of customers who get it, who have tried, who built cars in the past, and they're like, this takes too much time. I don't have the time, so I want you guys to do it. But we also have customers who say, I built cars in the past. Why is this taking so long? And the difference is the car that they built in the past might not be to this level. Right. And our guys are operating on a level all the time, you know, of that level of quality. So yep. I think it might be fun to bring one of those people in and say, you absolutely built some great cars right. in your time, but let's go along for the ride on this one so you can see why you hired us and you can experience that and you might have a deeper appreciation of the time it took. Exactly. To that point, it's there's a lot of guys like Paul and me out there that really have the desire to want to put that top level um, 
build in, in their car, but A, we don't have the time. Mm-hmm. B, we don't have the tools. We don't have the equipment. We haven't had the training, and we just don't have the know-how. Skill set. Yeah. It, we don't have the skill set, and to be able to come down to to like a shop like the VA Speed and Resto and kind of really get exposed to that I mean, today was a real eye opener for me. A real <laughs> eye opener, as far as the the level of quality that goes into to all of these builds, starting from what is typically a real pile, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and bringing it up to show standards, show quality standards, it, it, it blows my mind the level of skill it takes mm-hmm. to, to achieve that, the time it takes to do that. I, it, it's unbelievable. That's a good point, right? Like you're looking at these cars, the, the, the quote-unquote pile, because you bring yeah. in a, a Camaro or a GTO or whatever, and it's all rusted out, yeah. and it needs quarters, it needs fenders, it needs mm-hmm. floor plans, and, and like, okay, yeah, they're stamped, whatever, we'll just put it together. Right. They don't fit right they don't know they, they don't all just it doesn't it isn't just a puzzle it isn't paid by numbers by any means sure no right no. you talk about that floor plan on the gto right where yeah. It, yeah. it's not even the right stamping and you got how many hours you got to just make it making it right yeah. yeah yeah that was a 67 gto where the trunk floor stamping was i think basically patterned after chevelle trunk floor which had a different uh, step in the back and we had to we had to figure out a way to put this relief in this panel to make it look right and fit right. Mm. And it took some expensive tools and, and skills to do it. But what I really think is cool, and I, I don't know of very other many circumstances where you can do this. I'm trying to think of like, you know, a home builder, right? Or an artist that's painting a picture. If you hired somebody to build a house, they're going to build your house. They're not going to let you come over and help right. lay the brickwork if okay. you've never done that before yeah. because you think it's cool, you know? Yeah. And if they did, they're going to be like, yeah, just go stir the mortar and then I'll right. take care of the right. rest. I'll do the rest. And, and today what we did is allowed you guys to not only have some hands-on, but at the end of the day, the pieces you guys made were tip-top. They were great. They were Ooh. great, very nice. cool-looking stuff. Thank you, Michael. It, well, thank you, Paul. Yeah, hey, thank both you guys because you experienced – you know, a little bit of what goes through. You got some input from the from the team about little direction. Tim had some great ideas on, you know, shape and all that jazz. And, and you know, Jonathan did too. But to be able to be a, a layperson walking into this area of expertise and walk out the next day with something that pretty much kicks ass, you know, for what it's supposed to do, where, where else do you get that, you know? You can go to one of these paint parties where it's like, we're going to drink wine and paint pictures. <laughs> and it's like, boy, they all sucked. And the, the instructor was wonderful, but everybody else just did this crap, you know. And there's no growth there. You know, right, right, Or appreciation. Right. So I, 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 I'm very happy with how this all went down. And I, I think it's neat to be able to share that. Um, and not only just because, you know, this is not just an exercise to say, see, I told you it takes forever to do this stuff. You know, that's right. not, not what it is. Oh, yeah. It's the ability to say, let's fast track you guys to be able to make something and you can have our experience of learning it all the hard way. I'm going to share that. You know, I'm going to get you there right away. I'm not telling you what to do or how to do it, but I'm kind of guiding you a little bit about what we've learned. And you guys did all the work. I mean, yeah, I ran the bead roller for that one thing, but to tell you the truth, that's that's certainly not something I do every day anymore. So I was a little nervous about making that turn and making it all work. And you were happy with it. I was, and everybody wins. I was happy, and it was cool. It was, I, I agree. I mean, yeah. it was 
It was it was a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, it was my car, so I yeah, it was well, great. sure, <laughs> yeah, so it was wonderful. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's part of, like that that that's what just the fun comes just doing it in general, right? And that's where totally, you know, that was why. And to me, it's it's good to hear you uh, say that it actually looks good because I, of totally. course, you you're your your own right. uh, biggest uh, critic, sure. And so my concern is like, yeah, it looks good to me, but I'm afraid anybody else can walk up like, yeah, I think <laughs> you made that. I think we're. Uh, <laughs> Our own all biggest yeah, critics, sure. and to be able to do something like this today that will pass muster. Mm-hmm. That you know, hopefully, when the guys come in on Monday and look at it, and hopefully don't laugh. That's the final test. Yeah, that's the final test. If they say, <laughs> "Oh, that's not too bad," I'll feel like a huge success. Exactly. Not, not too bad. That's yeah, not too for. bad. Yeah. That's all I'm going right. for here. Yeah, there was a lot of insight. That was just it was just the fun of working with your hands in the mm-hmm. low, on the first level, learning a new skill. You know, the beat roll or mm-hmm. playing with these tools that you don't have, and then yeah, making something for my car that's going to be front and center that people are going to say like, yeah. "Oh, hey, I just shipped it off someplace." Yeah, yeah I had some because you're going to open the hood a lot. I open the hood a lot. Yeah. yeah. Motor looks nice. Yeah, and then to be able, yeah, we we and yeah, we we put the we made these and you know and it looks good. So and that's a funny thing excited. is that how much thought by how many people went into pieces that were custom made with the intention of not looking custom made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a crazy that's the way trick, to say it. right? Yeah. right. You want them to not draw attention. You spent all this effort to make nobody look at it. What do we keep saying? Want to make it look like GM made that? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. if it didn't look like GM made it, and if it looked like it was all hacked together, right. it would be blaringly obvious. Well, it would look like 1985. And you have the giant chrome <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, water hose going on. Yeah. With oh, yeah, the flex hose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So That's all the pet boy stuff. <laughs> you know, to kind of describe the pieces, so the, the, the one block off plate for the heater core, we put a, um, a step in it, so it... it mounted from the inside of the car and it kind of pushes outward through this hole with a nice radius step and then there's also an x rolled into it for not only for uh, appearance but also for strength because that's a standard procedure that the oes do of mm-hmm. making a panel stronger they, they stamp some kind of an x or a cross or something into it and that was one the piece right above it is largely flat but it's got a, an interesting shape that follows some contours and has the right holes and everything and it was important to look at the whole firewall and say, well, what's happening on the other side? You know, because we, we had the urge to add some ornamentation to that piece, mm-hmm. but we all landed on, well, the other side doesn't have it, so it doesn't mm-hmm. really need it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the lessons that uh, we learned a long time ago and we kind of stressed to our team is that you're working on a specific piece, but you have to consider the greater context, context of, everything happening under the hood so that that one piece doesn't look like super bad and the rest of the car looks stock or the rest of the car has one design theme and your piece is different. So it's always important to consider both sides. And I thought it was great. And Mike picked up on it. I had given you guys that kind of speech of let's look at the driver's side before we make this passenger side piece. And a couple hours later, when you enlisted the help of Tim, our body man to give his eyes on this thing, and he goes, well, the other side doesn't really have that. Yeah. You know, so right. he, he knew it. You know, the vision is yeah. shared, you sure. know, which is, to me, I thought that was great. I was very grateful to Tim, you know, because he gets it. And to have everybody on the same page is a challenge in itself. And, right. and these guys are all, they're on it. Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Either. He knew right away to look, look at the whole thing 
look at the injury as a whole. Right. We were really listening to him. What's that? So we were listening to Tim, but we didn't really pay attention to Kevin. So yeah. that, oh, I was just talking. Yeah, it's just like this podcast. Oh, oh, oh Tim says well, that? Oh, then that's, okay, that's true. It's like when you Tim's as a, a doer. It's like yeah. when you as your parent tell your daughter to do something. When I walk in and say, do it, oh, well, Paul said they should do that. And then suddenly it becomes important. Right? Yeah, so. it's different. You work with your hands all day. This guy sits in the office. The heck with him. He's talking no, no, about. He, I mean, it was, it, was, it was great advice, and then it, re- oh, it resonated it because he said the exact same thing. And... We did because I think we were so into it again. By the, even though you told us at the outset, two hours had passed, it kind of had drifted off, and we're just fo- we are we are just hyper focused hyper focused oh. exactly on that one piece because it was a, it was a, it was a complicated fit around those around that silly shaped hole. Yeah, and geez, boy, it was we wanted to do we you know wanted to put all kinds of filigrees and fancy <laughs> fancy stuff, <laughs> Florida leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so another thing that this makes me think of is the concept that in our shop, our team is doing these tasks and making these pieces and building stuff like this day in, day out. And at the end of the day, um, they don't often have that this conversation about how cool that piece was or how awesome that thing fit, or boy, that looks awesome. You know, because it's kind of their daily, I don't want to call it routine, but it's its what's expected of them, and that's yeah. you know, why we hire them. So I also think it'd be cool, you know, if we have more of our customers, because they're all car people, you know, right? Uh, come in and, and have some shoulder-to-shoulder time to make the team feel more appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, Ooh. by the customer saying, hey, that's serious, you know, yeah. instead of a disconnect of, here, do this, and then, it gets passed to the next apartment, and the next apartment, and then it goes down the road. Uh-huh. And our, you know, so you know, Kelly and I try to make sure that our team understands that everything they do is is very important and appreciated. But you guys were, you know, in the trenches at the same time, and I think that was that was pretty cool. Tim and I'm sure Tim and Jonathan are going to look at your car differently now. You know that they know you better, and you know had that shared experience. You know. Well, I look at it different because now I know the guys putting it together. It's yeah. really cool for me. Absolutely, you know, yeah. And me, Jonathan, and, you know, because yeah. I see the pictures, see the guys in the background. And I met, you know, some of the guys at the farm party when I come down here, but it's a little bit different when I, he's bolting parts onto the car and I'm talking to him and I'm asking, well, why'd you do this? And where'd yeah. you run that? And, you know, and asking about it. He really, hopefully, felt he's some appreciation. Yeah. Right. Because I'm like, wow, that really looks great. And he's just like, well, thanks, you know, because well, yeah. then he's like, yeah, I'm just putting a car yeah, together. It's his, like, yeah, it's his you know, yeah. It's his gig, but when I'm saying, wow, I really appreciate that you're taking the time to do this right, uh-huh. I think hopefully that kind of resonated with him a little bit. So. Well, you're the customer. Yeah. That, that That's far better than me saying, hey, great yeah. job, because he's like, well, that's what you're supposed to tell me. <laughs> 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 or you're supposed to tell me it sucks. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think there's something to that. And for a long time, when we first started this business, you know, Kelly and I, we're not trained managers. You know, we're, we're just people and ended up in this position because we like this stuff. And I think part of the challenge was how much do we get the technician involved with a customer? You know, because it's not their responsibility to answer all the questions. I mean, their job is to make the stuff and to put the stuff together. And there's been times when, and Trevor's a great example, we've had certain customers that got Trevor's phone number and they would light him up with, because they were enthusiastic about the project, but they're calling them 
all night and weekends and everything else. Oof. And Trevor's like, yeah, can I can I talk to you Monday? You know, because I, yeah. that that's it's yeah. your passion, but it's my work. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of a different thing. So then we 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 tried to make it clear to the technic or to the customers that it's if you have a question, you call the office and you'll talk to me or Kelly or Rod or Amber who works the front desk, and then we'll talk to the technician and get you an answer. But that that's a disconnect, and it's not a genuine connection. You know, like you experienced with Jonathan and Tim, they're working on your car, and you're like, now I can. But so I, I think we need to, to to do a little more of that within reason to to facilitate that communication between uh-huh. customer and technician because I think everybody wins. Well, the big thing right. for me is like I feel like oh, when I ask the question, I'm questioning. I'm oh, I see you ran the fuel line that way. Why? It isn't why did you do that? Right. It's because I would have never done it that way, and I want to know the right way to do it. But it comes right. out as, hey, why the hell did you do it that way? <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, that's, you know, like, I'm really curious cause, because I was sitting here for an hour struggling, like, oh, how would I? And here it's together, and you're like, oh, you know, hey, you, you, you figured out my Sudoku problem that I was <laughs> up all night with. How, how, you know, I just want to know, yeah. I just want to know, like, how you ran this and how you did this because I really wanted to do it myself. I didn't have an opportunity to do right. it myself. So at least, at least give me some of the gratification. Telling me how you put it together. Right. It's almost like you feel like you have to qualify your question first. Like, listen, yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, yeah. badmouth you, but I'm I'm really curious because I, I was work I was this yeah. was boggling my right. mind forever. Absolutely. How did you come up with that? Absolutely. Right. Why, why did you go down this road? Because right. I was going I was going down the I way. was going down Avenue A, going, you yeah. went down Avenue B exactly. and there you go. You, right. you got there way before me. Yeah. And and a lot of times, you know, so both you guys are parents, you've got younger kids. So you talk to them a certain way just to get a result. And, and Paul, you're a manager of a whole bunch of people. So you're asking that type of question from the other side, like, why did you do it that way? <laughs> you know, like it's a problem. So you're just kind of used to being in that mode. And in this case, it's out of natural curiosity. And the last thing you want to do is demotivate the guy working on your car by, right. by being a pain in the ass. But that's not what it was, and those guys got it. Then yeah. we all stood around yeah. and had a beer, you know. Yeah, so, all right, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, like that's that's the but the qualifier. Like I'm not questioning why you're doing it. I'm questioning why are you doing it? Because yeah. <laughs> like, it's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How did you come up with that great yeah. solution? Yeah. They do it every day, so they've seen it a hundred times before, you know. And you know, I I think a funny thing is though because I was asking him a couple of questions, Jonathan, when we first got there, mm-hmm. and what what broke the ice though was, well, at least it's not a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, you have no idea." And I think we get, you know, so that got is kind of the level. And then I'm like, "Hey, you know, I, I'm really interested. How did you put this together?" And then we started talking and loosened up, and it, it was great to be able to pick his brain. It really, that was uh-huh. part of like that that 45 minutes while we were kind of getting our act together to start, and you guys were finishing up, just to be able to ask him a bunch of stuff. Just, just if that was all we did. It would have been enough yeah. for me to come down here for. So maybe there's a way to work that in too for customers because, like I said, I was hands-on. I had every intention of doing this car myself. And it, it does, there is a part of me that really pains me that I'm not doing it myself. Sure. You know, Like I'm not – I didn't build it myself and all that. I appreciate – I have the opportunity knowing Kevin my whole life. We got a guy. Who's, who's we got, got a guy. We got a guy, right? Yeah, well – Because it would just be rotting in my garage otherwise. Yeah. So I mean, that's – you know, you come to that, that realization that – if the ultimate goal is to get behind the wheel as soon as possible, you need you need some help. And there was that whole big built not bought movement, you know, where yeah. it's like, oh, you're a credit card guy, you just pay somebody. But yeah. honestly, 
most car enthusiasts, if they hire somebody to do it, it's because they don't have the time. It's because they aren't capable or they, you know, it might take, a, you know, 50 times longer to do it in your own garage and you have to buy the tools and everything else. It doesn't mean you're any less worthy of that car or any less yeah. of an enthusiast, you know? And, and I hear it all the time with, with Muscle Car of the Week. So we, we produce Muscle Car of the Week, giant collection from, uh, you know, the Brothers Collection. And these guys obviously have financial resources that most people don't have, but they are hardcore car enthusiasts. And when somebody says, they make comments on YouTube saying, oh, sure, it must be nice to have all the money to just buy whatever you want. You know, these guys aren't enthusiasts. They're just buying cars. No, 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 no. You... You can't tell me you're not an enthusiast if you're willing to spend three and a half million dollars on a muscle car. That's an enthusiast. Uh, that, that <laughs> an enthusiast. Right. That's another level. Of you buy and and these guys, you know, a Hemi Cuda convertible is you know three and a half four million dollars, and they've got a room full of them. You know, right. they, we calculate. I think they own thirty percent of them that were built. Oh my goodness so, gracious! Yeah. So and you're, but now we're getting back down to our weekend here. And dealing with Jonathan, uh, Jonathan's an interesting guy because he's a Cadillac guy. I don't know oh, if yeah? I told you that, yeah, but he likes oh, old Cadillac. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right on. He also is in the, you know, he's got a, a, a Subaru STI. Yeah, yeah, and he, driving a Subaru. He's yeah. got a Toyota 4Runner that's all rusted and blown out that he goes and just climbs stuff and has fun. So he likes everything, you know, but, but big American cars are his thing. Mm. Early 60s, 50s stuff. Okay. So he was loving the opportunity awesome. to work on your car, oh, which is great. Sweet. And that means he's going to do a good fit. job. Yeah, perfect yeah. fit. Totally, but I and that but going you know the the, the build it built not built stuff like yeah you're not an enthusiast because you didn't like that's I don't know if there's any other hobby that has that sort of like I'm an enthusiast at art I got to paint right. all my own Van Goghs <laughs> I'm an enthusiast I'm an enthusiast of of of, of modern you know mid century right. modern homes I'm gonna build my own mid century modern <laughs> yeah, home right. no no right I'm gonna like that's I'm an enthusiast of baseball I'm gonna play my own baseball game no. There's something to be said for I'm an enthusiast, but I don't have an opportunity, time, whatever it is, time yeah. uh, to do it. That's great. So, you know, and, you know, there, there's plenty of people that just like, they just like cars. Yeah. Just buy, but, you, you know. Here's my take on that, on the built, not bought. Every car was bought at one time. That's Every car too. was bought. Yeah, GM, If, if that Ford car wasn't it. bought at one time, the, the guy who built it, again, wouldn't have been able to build it. Okay, to quote, it, build it. Yeah, yeah. quote, yeah. unquote, build yeah. it. Yeah. He bought it. Right, right. That's a Every car is bought. Yeah, there's no, yeah, yeah. maybe there's a kit car or two out there, but yeah. you don't want <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, Bradley GT, okay, yeah, built. Yeah, I get yeah, it, I yeah. get it. But that's, that's, that's actually not a bad car. It's not a bad car. I used to own one. Get out of here. I did, yeah, when I was in the Air Force. My buddy and I bought a Bradley GT. Really? Yeah. That was supposed to be the safest performance car ever built. Is that right? That's why it was built. It was well, this one never ran, so it was pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's another podcast. But, you know, I think I, I, I get that I... there's some animosity by those of us who don't have big financial resources to throw rocks at the people that do and say, oh, no, you're not whatever, because because they're envious, because they don't have the, the resources exactly. to do it. And there are those, you know, what I find is that the, the true guys that build everything themselves, because there's a billion of them who are mm -hmm. in their home garage and do every single part of the car that all the metal yeah. work all the paint work all the engine work those are not the guys that are saying oh, i built this look at me they're right. just like yeah I built the car yeah because they know they you know they don't need to run oh, around no. saying that they're a big hero exactly. and everybody <laughs> looks at their car hero. and they go so who did the paint i did oh right on who did the motor i did oh no kidding yeah, yeah. Oh, you're great you know and, and they, they they appreciate them and they praise them for that you know so that's where the satisfaction comes in but I think we're entering a, a different 
phase of our business of being able to uh, appreciate that, you know, most customers have done this before. Most of our customers have done this before. It's very, very rare that we have a person who says, I know nothing about muscle cars. I've never owned one, never seen one, never touched one. I can't do a darn thing with a tool build me a car. You know, that just doesn't really happen. Right. They're mostly, listen, I've owned 25 cars. I've owned three cars. I've owned one. I built this with my dad. I wrenched on this in my garage. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time or resources. Help me out. You know, and, and if we can include them in the process, that just it's one more level of experience that they get to have with their car. So this was... It was great for me to have you guys come down and do this too, because I learned a lot about about doing this. Well, and it was it was just it was so much fun. It was great that you opened up the shop to us. Yeah, this you was know, very it, it was fun work, day. but it was fun work. It was hard work, but it, it was, was very gratifying. Yeah. I mean, again, it gave us a real appreciation for what it takes to yeah. really build one of these. Oh, yeah. and, and we did like point zero 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 one percent of that car. zero zero. But because you can see it, yeah, you can see it. You're right. All right, point zero one percent of that bill. Well, you know now, and it took us twenty something hours. 20, well, forty if you double yeah. it. Yeah, yeah two we did of the us, math. Right? There was a lot of hours. A lot of hours involved. Forty billable hours, yeah. which I saved, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're welcome. I think you owe me lunch. <laughs> I what, did you forget did your wallet yet? <laughs> yeah. Well, so we were at the Casey's. I bought you a sandwich. I appreciate that. The, the great thing is next weekend, you know, when you guys go to the Cars and Coffee or the local car mm -hmm. show and a guy opens his hood and you're going to be like, hey, I, yeah. I, that's great. Yeah. Hats off to you for getting that done or doing it or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, but OK, so here, here's an interesting thing, though, right? So I will never forget when you built the Malibu for your cousin, Don. Yep. And he brought it to the to the. To the, to the car show in Elmhurst, right? So okay. the car show in Elmhurst is similar to the one that's in Plainfield, right? They show yeah, down Elmhurst, 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 maybe suburb of Chicago. Yeah, yeah, right, suburb of Chicago. I'm sorry, and yeah. maybe seventy. It's around the world here, man. You know, you got I appreciate that. We yes. are international. <laughs> yeah, Paul. international. These guys I'm in Australia don't know I'm, where Elmhurst is. I'm international. You are different kind. You were understood. Yes, yes. Anyway. Where was I going with? It? Oh yeah, Donnie. so yeah. so Donnie's car. So there's a hundred some odd cars show up, and you know some are some are late model and a lot, but a lot of early muscle cars usually have a theme, Pontiac night, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Don's car shows up, and just people just flock to it. And you look at the car, and you, I mean, the people around like, wow, this car is so nice, but. Like it was funny. I heard people like, "It's just so, it's so clean." Like nobody could come up with the words, "Why? Why is this car nicer than 124 other cars mm -hmm. here?" It was just so much better because it was just so right. That is a complete success. Yeah, story. and it goes back to yeah. say it, it looks like GM made it, but yeah. clearly it's custom. Clearly, yeah. like there's no. And then he starts pointing out, you know, oh yeah, well Kevin ran the lines to the fender, so all the air conditioning lines are all the. You right. know, you tuck the bumpers in, and, and but it's so subtle, yeah, and it's so clean, and yeah. it's so right, and the paint is so flawless mm. because there isn't anything wrong with it. You can't put anything, and you can't put anything wrong with it. So then suddenly you have no point of reference. Sure, yeah. but it's like, is it this? Is it a? Is it a, like uh, a no little bit better? Is it a ton? It was a ton better, but you couldn't figure out why. So why so many people are just so better. blown away by. I can't even put into words why it was so much better because mm. it was a. Pro pro built car really yes. you know yeah. and so hats off well, again to your shop and that was back in the in the days before you had the the big shop in Redwood we were still right? on the on the farm the shop farm. Yeah. yeah so and that's a testament to a team that cares you know sure because they cared to take the time to keep that quality level up on all the details and like you say there's no singular one part that made that car cool 
It, you know, it's it not like it was a, a Hyundai Excel with a Hemi in it. <laughs> <laughs> a big black Chevette. Right. You know, it was every every single part of that car is done to a high level. Yeah. And, and exactly. subtly and not in your face. And the more you look, the more inviting it is to try and find something else. And I'll tell you about that car. A couple, two weeks ago, uh, Don had it at a car show at uh, in Delavan, Wisconsin, which is down the road from Lake Geneva. And I don't remember how many cars he said were there. A lot. And he took a third place trophy from the youth judging. Really? So the kids singled that thing out and gave him an award, which I thought was really awesome. Sure. Because that's the honest, that, you know, there, there's, right. no, yeah. there's no uh, predisposition about what's there, better. There's what's no better. politicalness going yeah. on no, there. No, they no, just, they cool like car. that car, they're voting yeah. that car. Yeah. Beautiful so, color, beautiful yeah. car. Right, right. And the, that's what we're all going for is to try and get the next generation excited about this car, and they are about his, you know. So his car is a... I love that car. It's a his winner. His car is a winner. Yeah. It, it took the yeah. words out of my mouth. It is a winner, 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just looks right. It's like yeah. when you picture a muscle car, that is the car you picture. And it's just totally. done so nicely. It's just so clean. It doesn't mm-hmm. look ostentatious. Yeah, right. There's no one well, thing yeah. saying, look at me, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other, uh, you know, the uh, well, it's it's won the, it won the, golden sp- the gold spinner at the Chicago World of Wheels and all these trophies. But to me, one of the greatest honors is if you go to Chevelles.com, which is like the big Chevelle forum, that car is in the header picture. Get out of here. Is that I didn't right? know that. I yeah. did not know that. Oh, yeah, Sweet. yeah, yeah. That is the, they deem that a definitive car for all Chevelles. <laughs> That's huge. That's huge. Oh, yeah. And I, I share that with our guys. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> well, and so maybe, and so maybe to, to, to completely, to close the story, right, about Don at the, at the car show, is like, so, you know, I know Don since, he's your cousin, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, what right. is he, 10 years older than you? I don't know. Sure, we'll call it yeah. Don. Yeah. Sure. So I've known Don as long as Don he's known. He's got a 65 Chevelle. He's born in 65. So. Okay, yeah. And right. I mean, in, in a long time, Don, he had a Nova. So, and I had Nova, and I was, you know, Don, wow, Don drives a Nova. Anyway, <laughs> that's all to the side. You know, so you walk up, you see this car. My At the time, I had my just my two girls and my wife, and wow. But there's Don standing there with just the Biggest grin yeah. on his yeah. face, yeah. and he couldn't help himself because everybody's walking up to the car, tell him, "Wow, this car is this car is so nice." That's awesome. And like with, That's with so like great. almost like a disbelief, like this car is this car is so nice, dude. Like, like I can't understand, like I can't process mm-hmm. how nice this car mm-hmm. is. And he's just like, "Yeah, yeah, it really, it really is." <laughs> like every person that comes up, he's like, like it's he's re seeing the car for another time. And that was just such a cool experience for I think Don, you know. Well, the reveal so. video of that is on the V8 TV Show oh, yeah, 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 website. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you, if you want to see genuine, like a real emotional response to that car, I mean, it was a surprise to him. He didn't yeah. because they were at World, World of Wheels, right? In Chicago. Yeah. In Chicago, Donnie didn't know the car was there. They had it covered. And they they brought Donnie over some subterfuge. Well, the, so the, the the ruse on that one was that he uh, he always wanted a '65 Chevelle, and he called me one day and he's like, you know, if you find one, let me know. Well, you know, maybe I'll buy it. So we find this car, and that turns into the project and the whole thing. He'd never seen it in person. Hmm. No. Right. We I bought it from a guy and brought it to the shop, and we started working on it. He saw the pictures and video, but he never saw the car in person. And he knew it was close to being finished, but he didn't know it was done. Mm-hmm. So we bring it up to World of Wheels, and the plan was to reveal it to him and surprise him with the finished car. So he knew that we shot 
VA TV, the television show, and all the video. And so there was no problem with cameras. And I had to make up a story. How can we reveal this and surprise him? So what we came up with is uh, I told him, I said, hey, dude, bring your family out. I'll get you tickets, come to the show, hang out. You know, oh, yeah, cool. I said, we're shooting a, a TV episode. And, and part of the theme is like, you know, that, that cars can be a family thing, right? You get your family involved, kids, whatever. And uh, there's a car over there. It's under a cover. It's a GTO. And it's a family thing. So I want you to come on over and, uh, and I'm going to interview you about what it's like growing up in a car family. Because your mom was diehard Chevrolet and your dad and your, his grandparents on his mom's side uh, uh, bought new Chevrolets. And Chevrolet was a big thing. So his car is under the cover. We tell him it's a GTO because it's got the same profile. And we start rolling tape, and I'm like, yeah, so Donnie, uh, because he took me to my very first car show. I was six years old. He took me downtown to the World of Wheels show. So I'm interviewing him, like, just trying to get man-on-the-street feedback. Right. So, you know, you're a guy who, who you know, grew up, what was it like in a, in a Chevrolet family? Oh, yeah, my mom had me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I want to thank you. You know, you brought me to the first car show, and now I'm in the industry working for all this stuff. And, oh, that's great. I said, uh uh, you know, it must be kind of neat to be here and see all these show cars and, 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 you know, see these fancy things. And he's like, oh, yeah, these, these cars are really great. And I said, well, now it's your turn. And we pulled the cover. Uh-huh. Tears. Oh, <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. And I watched that video. I'm like, oh, Donnie, I'm crying for you too, buddy. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't seen it. I need to find that because yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm so- oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's it, great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Such an emotional response. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, terrific. It, it's it's terrific. And his, his wife and daughters were there, and his mom, my Aunt Jean, yeah. we brought her in, and he didn't know she was there and everything. And, oh, wow. And that was the first time he saw the car. So there was so many levels because, you know, if you pay a shop to restore a car the first time you see it, that's a big deal. But on top of that, like you're saying, he, he had that same response. He's like, oh, man, this is a nice car. Well, <laughs> yeah. right. And it's a weird disbelief. Like, for him, it was... This is a nice car, and it's mine. It's mine, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't, well, I can't wrap my mind around how nice it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and on top of it, it's mine. Right, and he was involved in every step of the way, just had no idea it was done and it was going to yeah. be there. So. Yeah. yeah, at that point, it became real. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's, that's just a, such a great thing that you did for him. It was, it was just so good-hearted. Well, it's all his fault that I do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, him and so my aunt Jean, his mom, got me a subscription to Hot Rod Magazine when I was like uh, seven years old as a Christmas present, and that was like that was it. downhill from there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's how it went. So that's, that's it, man. I had a subscription to Popular Hot Rodding. Uh, I think when I was like ten, mm-hmm. and that that really bit me as well. So. Yeah. Yep. And the first time I went to World of Wheels when Don took us. Right, yeah, yeah. We probably the in, next year, two years later. No, we were, cause it would have been, I would think we were in third or fourth grade by that point. But, so 10 or 12 or yeah. something. Very so, nice. And, yeah. and the Nova, he had the Nova at the time. Yep, the orange, 73, orange Nova. 73 Nova. Yeah, so so it was like. That know. left a mark. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we talk about how important it is to leave that mark on yeah. somebody else. Yeah. Right. Which is why I want to get the car done earlier so that I can take my kids around in it and drive it and hopefully they get part of the bug and enjoy it, you know, because it's just, uh-huh. you know, when we were kids, they were only 15 or 20 years old, so it wasn't that big deal to see uh, a Camaro or a Malibu or a Chevelle yeah. or a GTO driving around. It wasn't that surprising. I mean, people still drove them as daily drivers, but right. now 
just seeing one is like, oh my gosh, look at that car. Yeah. It's 40 years old. Wow. Yeah. You know? That is pretty neat when you see a, a, a cool old car yeah. driving yeah, around. Right. Yeah, right. It's, it's crazy, right? In my case, or 60. I can do the math right now. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. A little too much stubborn. 50 German. something, like 58 years old, something like that. <laughs> well, I'm just happy that it all worked out well because the opposite would have been you guys came down and burned two whole days <laughs> and there was garbage. <laughs> it's like, oh no. <laughs> Um, Kelly, we're going to need uh, a lot more <laughs> yeah. 20 gauge shit now. Because yeah. Mike and Paul used Mike it and all. Paul just burned it all yeah, up. Yeah, and I was no help, and it all Please took Please order more Scotch Brite pads. But put it um, on Paul's bill. Make sure you bill on Paul's. So, pictures of that are on our website. Uh, you can go to vatvshow.com slash photos, and there's a big list of all the cars. Look up the 62 Buick, and you'll see the uh, closeout panels these guys made that, that were done by. Theoretical amateurs with professional results, so it was very cool. Well, we're industry guys, so <laughs> <laughs> we're well. Of course, it was going to come out good. I mean, what, what, what do you expect? There's no doubt. It's what we do. It's what we do. Yeah. No doubt, man. All right. Well, we've uh, we've bored our listeners long enough. They're waiting for the answers to the trivia question, Ooh, Mike. Trivia. You got your show notes? There? I got my show notes right here. He's got a book and everything. That's right. All right. All right so, so tonight was a triple whammy three. Count them. Three trivia questions. Three trivia questions. All right, Kevin, I asked you and Paul, I asked you both, where did the Corvette name, where was it derived from? And um, Paul said it was, a, it was a small ship. And uh, Kevin said it was not, not just a small ship, but a small, very fast, highly maneuverable <laughs> Navy ship yeah. that went to war. A pile on. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're both right. It was a small Navy ship. Yeah, nicely done, fellas. Well done, well done. Now, let's get back to my wrong question. (laughs) Kevin, what did you have for me? So I asked, this is a, hold on, stand by. I need to get all my resources again because I, yeah. I have show notes. Oh, let's do it. But man. they are they are you digital. You're so, you're so digital, man. I'm they, paper. They it's called digital. Wikipedia. I'm analog. You're digital. All right. So my question to you guys, because it was timely and uh, uh, appropriate, yeah. is why, where was the name Electra derived from for the Buick Electra? And Mike, you said, just, just because. because. That's fine. Darn it. Yeah, they just named it. I'm so sorry, everyone. Pentaports? I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. This is the first time I really couldn't even come up with anything. Paul came up with that it was electric. <laughs> okay, power yeah. everything. Maybe that's it. <laughs> For an hour uh, oh, that's a, power that's a, everything. That's a good thing. Good, well, that's still terrible. All right. Yeah. Well, the reality is that the Electra was specifically named after a woman. Oh. And her Ooh, name was Electra Wagner Biggs, okay? And uh, she was uh, born in 1912 and passed on in 2001. And she was a Texas-born heiress, socialite, and sculptor. Ooh. Widely known as owner of the Wagner Ranch in Texas, which I'm not sure what that is. But she made some very famous sculptures of Will Rogers, Dwight Eisenhower, Harry S. Truman, Bob Hope, and Newt Rockney. And she was such a fascinating woman that the Lockheed Aircraft Corporation named the L-188 Electra turboprop after her. What? And the Buick Electra was named after her. No way. By her brother-in-law, Harlow Curtis, 
who was the former president of Buick and later president of General Motors. Oh, oh my here. goodness. So this is that's a little nepotism one. is what I'm that's smelling. Cool. Now, let's be honest. We never would have come up with that in a million years. Never in a you million years. You had to know years. that one. But I appreciate the, the history because yeah. that is pretty cool. It so this really is one cool. heck of a woman who was an artist, a philanthropist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a socialite and, and, and you know, apparently uh, stunning and and inspirational enough to have an aircraft company name a plane after her and Buick to name a car after her. 225 inches tall. 225 <laughs> inches tall. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was a tall woman. <laughs> so the other thing I thought was fun is that her name was Electra Wagner Biggs, B-I-G-G-S. And uh, here in the state of Illinois, where your, cars, uh, uh, where your car lives, the license plate... B-I-G-G-S, Biggs, is available in an antique plate. So oh, it is. Oh. That might be an interesting name for Yeah, that would be pretty yeah. cool. And then the three of us would know what it means. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all we need, man. So, all right. That's well, that. That, was a, that was a really great question, Kevin. Thank you for enlightening us with that. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Time. Mm-hmm. And Paul, our guest host, had a question, too. What was... Uh, Oh yeah, what suspension parts? The suspension parts. What, what, well, yeah, what cars did they steal the suspension from the mm-hmm. eighty-four to eighty-seven Fiero? Because yes, we wanted to bring in the story about Kevin forgetting the the I broke the ball joke. Where my response was, yeah, I was making a funny noise for like three. Years. <laughs> and I finally took a crap when I drove it. You broke my car. <laughs> you broke my car. <laughs> What'd you do? You? <laughs> Well, right. it tore the fender. It didn't dent it, right? Because it, it tore the plastic. Well, it's because composite. The, yeah, yeah, so it actually it's, ripped. It's composite, which is uh, plastic. GM for yeah, plastic. GM yeah. for plastic, yeah. So, yes, you were, you were you, uh, each of you said, I believe, the Citation the and Chevette. the Chevette. You said the Chevette. Yeah. Oh, you said the Chevette uh-huh. and the Citation. He said, well, I wrote it down on my show notes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Kevin said the Chevette <laughs> slash J2000, as well as the Buick Century slash Chevy Celebrity. Which then I, I said, half retracted because I understand those are fun. I said, let's get this right on the record. On the record, Chevy Chevette, Chevy Citation. Right. Which you are completely correct. Oh, yes. man, he wins. Yes. Very good. Congratulations. See, I won last week, last time, yeah. so he made sure to come up with a question that I couldn't get. Thanks for being on the show, Paul. <laughs> I'm still a winner. <laughs> You're always a winner in my book. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because the suspension that everybody says Lotus designed in 88 was actually designed somewhat, well, I don't want to say originally, but that was the supposed to be the original design for the Fiero, but they cost-reduced it, mm-hmm. took the front-wheel drive car, flipped it 180 degrees, took tie rods, and just made actual just pieces of steel huh. for, mm. for the solid, uh, rod. solid rods, which is why the bump steer is horrible. And it's so crazy, the horrible, <laughs> it's so bad, the, uh, especially if you trail break into a turn. Because you start across one, right? Not that you would know anything yeah, about that. Uh, it's, it's horrible. And trail break then, and return. And, and that boom. was why, so as, as sales dropped off in 87, they thought, okay, we'll, pro- we'll, we'll invest, we'll finally put this. Put a bigger around. motor in it. Well, it had the three, it had, it had a 2.8, so they finally get some power in it, but mm-hmm. they added, the, they added the, the, the properly designed suspension with, you know, correct bump steer. Uh, and every, so... And the expectation also was going to have power steering, right? Originally, if, if with the redesigned, but that actually mm. died. They killed the car before they could actually get the power steering working. Mm. And it had correct ball joints, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's so I good yeah. yeah. Well, I'm talking about an '88, right? Mm. So it was, it was, it was, it was heavy, Pontiac, heavy it was a, duty at that point. It yeah. was originally a Pontiac design and done, and then they obviously did spend all that money, thirty million dollars, I think they did in the oh. suspension, and then killed the car like six months later. Oof. So yeah, but it was originally the yeah the J2000, which was the equivalent mm. of the 
the Chevette. Uh, the Chevette. Chevette. Yeah. And then uh, what was the? I guess I don't remember what the Citation version of the Pontiac was, but it was the Phoenix. The Phoenix. That's right. Yeah, because actually Jill had one. Remember? There's yeah, a there you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So. So Citation X11. Yes. Right. The yeah, X11. Yeah. Oh. Man. So, so that that's my no show notes. Nice. In a second, very in a heartbeat, nice. come yeah, up with yeah, my yeah. Uh, outstanding. Well, well done, done Paul. That, he, that he's been sitting on for a number of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> if they can only ask me a question, for your owners of the world unite. Yeah. <laughs> right there, you go. How dare you? You'll get the email for whatever I got wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't worry. It's off the top of my head. I don't have Wikipedia right now. My phone's yeah. dead. All right. Well, listen, do you have anything else, Mike? Actually, I do. Um, I just wanted to plug um, my, my my car club, the Cruising Tigers All Pontiac Club, is having a show coming up in uh, on August 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's the Indian Uprising, and uh, it's a really big show for Pontiac, uh, Pontiac people. It's a really big show. Really big show. Uh, over 600 Pontiacs expected this year. Um, it's the 50th anniversary of the Judge, 50th anniversary of the Trans Am, 35th anniversary of the Fiero, Paul. Hell just yeah. for you. Hells yeah. And on Saturday, you can meet Lou Santiago, who's going to be there. He's also going to be a special guest judge on Saturday as well. Who's a great guy. He is a great guy. Um, good friend of the show. Hmm. And Friday night has their uh, mega cruise. Over like 750 cars show up. Any, any mates, all mates show up. It's at Pheasant Run in yeah. um, St. Charles, Illinois. Which is a beautiful place, by the way. It is a beautiful place. So, but, by the way, your fellow club member, Mr. Paul Weinstein, has invited me to be at that show. Right. And unfortunately, I can't make it because I'll be at Bonneville. Oh, well, you if you're going to be somewhere, you're going to be Bonneville. <laughs> you're going to be at Bonneville. You no, know, so which, nonchalantly. Which has a Pontiac oh, tie, by the way. The, yes, it does. I'm as not going to be in the fact. car Bonneville. I'm going to be in the place Kevin, the car was named after. Kevin's him. really a closet Pontiac fan. We all know it. I'm not closet. I'm 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 an open Pontiac fan. Nice. And I, I just I've been to the the Indian Uprising before. It's a great show. It is. It really is. A lot of very nice people. A lot of great great cars. And you should go if you're in the area. Appreciate that. Well, if, if I'll, I'll be there. If Mike calls me, maybe he'll give me a ride up there. We'll go, man. Okay. It's a date. <laughs> we'll go. We're going to be there. there what go. day is it? What's date? What? August 9th, 10th, and 11th. Oh, August 9th is Friday. A couple weeks. That's the mega cruise in. Saturday and Sunday is when you want to be there for all the Pontiac. Bring pictures of your heater block up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> somebody's yeah, telling it around. Maybe I'm going to print it and make a, make yeah. a sandwich board. <laughs> I made this. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, that's great, and, and uh, your car club has been very supportive of our show, and we appreciate that. They, they they listen to it and share it and all that stuff, so thank you. They're the fifth and sixth listeners, I think. Yeah, Paul, <laughs> Paul's a listener. He's actually a subscriber, so thank you, Paul. Right on. All right, well, guys, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. It's been a, a little bit longer of an episode, but I think it's well worth the price, you know, because... Uh, Free and worth it, as, <laughs> yeah, as they say yeah. around six. <laughs> Free and worth it. And uh, you're listening to V8 Radio on whatever source you listen to it on, so I don't need to tell you that you can find it on iTunes or Google Play or Podchaser, Podtrack, mm-hmm. the TuneIn Radio TuneIn, app. Spotify. Spotify, any of those. You know, Stitcher. Stitcherradio.com. Yeah. Stitcher, but we did have a gentleman who said, hey, can I just straight download this to my phone? I think you can do that right off VARadio.com. That's the best way to do it. And then you don't have to sign up for any spamming nonsense. On like a landline? Yes, on a landline <laughs> if you want. 
But if you do go to VA Radio, you're more than welcome to sign up for our spamming nonsense because mm-hmm. we have a thing you can do that there, and then we'll send you all kinds of stuff. Please and thank you. Yes. And at this point, uh, driveincruise.com. You can learn more about our drive-in event that's coming up very soon. And uh, we, 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 will, uh, we will go from there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Here's to you <laughs> <laughs> on VA Radio. <laughs>